0: Welcome to the spinster life podcast. I'm Amy and I'm joined today by Yana Slack. This is a part two. So if you missed part one, go back and listen to it. It is all about the history of single women and how they've been able to play a more prominent part in their community because they are single. And we also delved a little bit into the problem that some spinsters do face of not having anyone to care for them when they're sick or they're injured or they're aging so to this episode we're going to get into the systems that spinsters uh, anybody really can put in place to have that support system for when they need it and some other options that are tech based that are community based that are more of a government program based so welcome again yana hi again (laughs) so glad to be back Um, glad to have you back because this is something that we've dealt with um, in the previous episode. We talked a little bit about our personal experiences needing this kind of care. Uh, we were both mildly incapacitated for short periods of time, which kind of gave us a little look at what the future could look like and really got us thinking about what do we do as single women? What do we do as people who live alone sometimes? What can we do to help ourselves before we need it. Last episode, we talked a little bit about groups of women that have existed in the past. And let's talk about like some we of the things- We talked a lot about it. <laughs> yes, we did. Like I said, go back and listen to it. It's a great episode. You'll learn a lot and you will be surprised at the role that single women have played throughout history. But let's t- let's talk about what we can put into practice- now what can happen now because we don't have groups like the big we don't really have something that already exists that women can become part of in order to Mm -hmm. help support themselves so that they are supported when they need it and so that Mm -hmm. they can support other people in their community as well there just isn't a formalized way to do this yeah we don't have it anymore
1: No, 800 years ago, there was this really valid way of housing yourself, feeding yourself, clothing yourself, living a full and varied life. And it really doesn't exist post-1950s nuclear family takeover.
0: Yeah, this is so ingrained in our society. And that's why people say things like, oh, well, you don't have any children who's going to take care of you when you're old. Mm -hmm. Even though... Statistically, most people do end up dying alone. I've Mm. always said that having children, it's not a great retirement plan. It's not a great care plan for you. There's a departure that I've noticed
1: happening in just my social circle of um, this growing consciousness among parenting people of my kids don't owe me anything type of watershed kind of in reaction or in response to many decades of like I've done so much for you you owe me type of parenting whereas now now there seems to be and this is I guess more in like the conscious parenting circles type of thing (laughs) but you know that like children don't owe you anything like you know providing a life a protected healthy life for a child is not like it's not some deal that they're like gonna that they're then required right. to like change your diaper when you're 85
0: you know yeah yeah they didn't you don't pop out of the womb and sign a contract that says like one, you, you're you changing my diaper and one day I'll do it for you and I think that is probably a reaction to you know, your own childhood and having that sort of pressure put on you of, of like, right. Oh, you, you do owe me. I've done so much for you. Right. Do you have any right. idea? And and not loving that and not having that, yeah. you know, be a, a great part of your life or a great feeling and adding to your anxiety and just yeah. adding to, you know, not it's not adding to the, the overall wonderful experience of your life. It's taking away <laughs> from that to, to have that pressure and I think, too, that makes it more, you know, something that you want to do. Right. If if your parents aren't pressuring you and and they are these supportive people and they love you and you're like, I want to take care of you. I see that you're struggling and I want to take care of you. So that is a little bit adjacent to one of the solutions that we proposed for solving the who's going to take care of you when you're old problem is just living with family taking advantage of the support systems that you already have, taking advantage of these relationships that you already have and Mm -hmm. and forming like a more intergenerational kind of way of living.
1: Yeah, this is maybe four years ago. I got the two-week trial for Ancestry.com and I went into like a fugue state for like, Nineteen hours, and I <laughs> did my entire family genealogy. What I loved was looking at the the census records, you know, like seeing the handwritten census records. And there were these two women, sisters, who were living in this is on my dad's side of the family, where where there the strong spinster tradition on my dad's side of the family, where there are these two single women. And like sometimes they were living with this family like their brother and his wife and their kids. And sometimes they were living with this other family and they kind of moved back and forth. And if I'm remembering correctly, they were, they were like clerks in a department store, but that really stood out to me. And I, I knew that like my dad's family, there was like a really long tradition of intergenerational family living. You know, he had grandparents that lived with him, basically raised him. Like there was, there is a strong tradition of family living with each other in that side of the family. And, but I I, I just always remember those two women and I can't remember their names, but they were figuring out how to live as single women in like- the 20s in okay. America, I think. And I've said this since our first conversations, like expanding our concept of real estate distribution in this country is like the basic first step to a lot of emancipation and like overall better health and wellness and happiness and joy for like everyone. Yeah. But particularly for spinsters, it's such a natural way for a spinster to remain housed and live a life of dignity is to maintain that deep relationship with their family. And obviously, we have the whole concept of chosen families as well. And that's sort of where I'm kind of at right now is, you know, okay, so eventually my parents, not that I live with my parents, but you know, they're, they're not going to be around for a lot of the last decades of my life, you know, and so really making a choice to cultivate those types of family relationships, you know, outside of the family as well.
0: I would consider that that, like the next step up in kind of like the Um, progression of, based on level of difficulty, living arrangements that you can get for yourself would be the chosen family. The example that always pops to my mind first is obviously, and for good reason, the Golden Girls. Um, of course, but, <laughs> but of course, you know they they didn't enter into it as a chosen family. They became a chosen family. Yeah, um, but I think that's just one of the great examples of the great shining examples, iconic yes. examples. Yes, uh, I mean, I, so grateful I think for their in existence. The, in the pilot episode, they refer to each other as family. Mm-hmm from the beginning of this show it's that these women have, have banded together and I do love like they're entangled in each other's lives but they do still have separate lives mm-hmm. um and they they always pull together to make repairs on the house um mm-hmm. throw parties you know and they mm-hmm. and they're also a great example of having that time and space like they can they have each other to help do all the household chores and do the cooking and do all of that stuff and mm-hmm. they all contribute to their community they're yeah. always some there's some gala or some fundraising mm-hmm, thing that they're mm-hmm. that they're either talking about or they show in the scenes of the show mm-hmm, that they are participating mm-hmm. in. So yeah, I think that is definitely a great extension of the roommate kind of arrangement that yeah. you know, you develop that deeper relationship um and i have done an episode deeper accountability Mm -hmm. yes um i did an episode of the podcast uh featuring my roommate uh we've lived together for many 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 years and it is that it is like a chosen family at this point we call each other the sisters that that we never wanted (laughs) but we got anyway (laughs) Um, and when i did get injured when I injured myself, that she was the person who helped me and who was there to help me do those things that I needed to just function in the world. So yeah, Chosen Family, two thumbs up.
1: Yeah, highly recommend.
0: Yeah. Easy uh, and, Yes. And, and no, obviously, like, this is something that's been top of mind for people in the LGBT community for a long time. This Absolutely. Is, we're kind of borrowing this concept. But yeah. I, I think... That everyone should be exposed to this concept of of chosen family and should be allowed to reap the benefits of it. And
1: I think chosen family is a beautiful term to borrow.
0: Yes. For that universal concept. And it's just more more accessible, too, because not everybody has a great family. Not everybody gets along with their family. Um, Yeah. Your biological family, things can be really, really complicated and if it's your chosen family, it's a lot easier to really have the relationships that are important to you and not out of obligation. They're right. they're legitimately, these are the people that, like, they lift you up. These are the people that energize you. And these are, yeah. you know, the people you choose to be around. And that's just such a great thing for people. They didn't have that in their biological families. And they just get yeah. this chance to have something that's amazing, to create something.
1: To create, like, a, a nurturing validating to create what they need enjoyable environment yeah Yeah. as opposed to like a a karmic
0: battleground (laughs) (laughs) right? and not just being stuck to each other through dna and stuck to each other through like real bonds um i guess that takes us to another level so if you do want to live alone what about forming a support pod
1: so this okay i i have you know a group text with my oldest girlfriends and we're like soul sister fam. And we have this sort I mean, I at this point I don't really know if it's like a joke or not, but I know a lot of other <laughs> women have a similar thing in their life where they're like planning on their like compound that they're what we're all gonna live in, like in our sixties or whatever. Our retirement compound type thing. And because of the way I live my life and I'm, you know, have the freedom to be like, yeah, sure. I'll do that for real though. <laughs> like, are we going to do it? It feels very real to me, but I sometimes wonder, is it really real for them? Like, are they like, are their husbands going to come to this compound, you know, right. or like, <laughs> you know, type of thing. And, but, but I know so many people are like, you know, we all have got some version of this like group text where we're like, you know, dad, oh my gosh, it's going to be so great when we do our like friend compound or whatever. But I wonder like how many people are actually really strongly like putting those things into place and emotionally preparing for what those kind of living situations mean. Like with a support pod type of thing, it's something that could be very explicit, you know, like, okay, these five people were were keeping track of each other. But I also think there are ways of integrating that idea more organically into one's life in terms of, you know, like. We were saying in the last episode of Spencer's being on all the committees and being really involved in a lot of areas of their life. Like if there are, are even ways as Spencer's become more known, more accepted, more validated, where it just becomes natural for the society around her to care for her, where It's sort of understood that if she doesn't show up for this committee meeting, someone's going to check on her, you know, because she lives alone and she might need to be checked on. But then there's also ways of like, how do we integrate that just more into like our societal awareness so that other people can act on the value of spinsters and can help take care of them. And so for me, that looks like, okay, if I have a weekly or a monthly commitment, like just making sure that the people in that group know if I don't show up and I haven't told you I'm not coming or whatever, like please really try and find me. Yeah. I live alone. I, you know, I might've fallen and I can't get up. I yeah. <laughs> got forbid something more terrible may have happened. And so, and accepting that community care, I feel like we can integrate, we can use the idea of the support pod to create a greater validation and valuing of spinsters in our society by raising the consciousness around it, which is the people that we interact with.
0: I'm definitely a, two minds on that one. Having I mean, this really formalized kind of pod, this kind of formalized network where there's regular check-ins and they're scheduled and there's there's definitely accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something in that that appeals to me.
1: Yeah. Um it doesn't
0: sure. it never gets taken for granted because the explicit rules of belonging are like I check in on you, you check on in me, like, you know, right. this is this is what we've agreed to do. Yeah. Um I also like that because it feels like that could be something where you're not a family. you literally are just people who are checking on each other. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. could, these this could be between like really deep relationships, but it could just be people in proximity to you that, that are able to get to you more easily to check on your physical location.
1: Right. Like five people on your street or something.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And having this, um, just kind of rewriting of the societal rules that's yeah. also appealing just because shouldn't we all be a little bit more involved how often do you s- do you hear somebody say well i don't know it wasn't really my business or it wasn't my place to step in and say something you know people their their neighbors have passed away and they've been dead in their apartments for months or years or long no, it's, it's stretches like of time it's the, the bridget jones
1: terror of dying and then being eaten by wild dogs you
0: know (laughs) (laughs) right and that i think that is why people fear that they fear that outcome of your earthly remains not being cared for and not being located and i guess that says you know something about your value as a person and you know you you want to be taken care of you know when you can't
1: take care of yourself in human design like the ideal way to die is to die and then not have your body moved for 72 hours because there's this whole like decoupling process that happens with the soul from the body and it takes 72 hours and like part of why our society is so fucked up is because we like are moving people's bodies all around after they die and their souls (laughs) don't have the ability to like transition properly etc you know whatever it's an esoteric thing but i have this like thing where i'm like when i see like the Bridget Jones's diary thing I'm like you know what to be honest if I die and my body doesn't get moved for 72 hours I will be happy (laughs) like like if wild dogs or my cat eats my face
0: or whatever like (laughs) it's fine the cat has a meal they have something to remember you by yeah exactly (laughs) you know
1: it's no no problem but yeah that is there's there's a a concern about that and I, I think it's not even so much like the dying part more as like the, yeah, like, just stuff, stuff, am I going to be lying on the floor for, you right, know, for hours and hours? Which I mean, right. ha- a, a member of close family friend just had a situation like that with their uh, sister. She lived alone in an apartment, and this these are people in their seventies. And she was like, she fell and was on the floor of her apartment for like. Two days two or three days and then she didn't show up somewhere and eventually like the super of the apartment was able to do a wellness check and found her but like I like to think oh if I fell I could drag myself to something but you know if you fall and break a hip or something like that it's yeah it's so excruciating that
0: you really can't move you can't even roll over and um so and just because yeah. we have had bodies that have been generally well, and we have not had any problems with mobility, it is just hard to imagine what that is like. Yeah, uh, just hurting my foot and yeah spraining it or whatever. That just really opened my eyes. I've never had that kind of loss of mobility. Yeah, and it was humbling and it was frightening and it was annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not just the physical injury, but everything that went. Around it and that feeling helpless, like I've never felt that before, and it was awful. It was just awful. So realizing that this vulnerability, yeah, that this probably will happen again. That I yes, this this level of injury or incapacitation will happen again. It's, It's yeah. I mean, hopefully it doesn't, but it's kind of inevitable that something else could happen. And like we discussed in the past episode, that as we're entering the fourth decade, the 40th level of our lives that Mm -hmm. we need to start thinking a little bit differently about the future. And that's why we're making this episode to talk about these things and to start to set these systems up for ourselves, whether it is joining some groups to not only help stave off loneliness or, you know, help form that connection to community and to other people, but also as a way to have someone worried about you and to check on you if you were to not show up for a commitment that you'd made let's um let's go back to chosen family a little bit mm-hmm. because you know we are becoming more individualistic as a society. Mm-hmm. It is possible to see less people to get the things that we need to get done. We had a brief conversation about Amazon drivers, like kind of the Amazonification of the world and how you don't need to leave your house to get most things that you need for living. You don't need to talk to anyone to have your dog walked. They can just get the keys from a lockbox or any of these services that you might need in order to help yourself. Some people are really isolated. There is in the UK at least they've declared a loneliness epidemic. Yeah. And and people saying they feel like they don't have any close friends. Just talking about the difficulties in that of this of our society that's not particularly interconnected, or people feel, you know, like they're not really part of it or they feel disjointed, and how difficult it can be to get over those barriers of feeling like this to form those really deep relationships like you would if you had a chosen family. I was just talking about this with some people yesterday of the sort of
1: general difficulty of making friends as an adult, the amount of intention and effort and focus and follow through that it really takes to cultivate true friendship. And so it does feel like there's this sort of frayed fabric of society and it really hits you at, at this time when you're really, when you're like going through your Uranus opposition, AKA, Midlife crisis and staring down, creating the structures that you're going to need to support you for the next 40 years. And so you really notice it. You're like, Oh, geez, like it's difficult to make friends. It's difficult to continue to share my vulnerabilities and continue to share the story of my life with people and, and continue to build community. I mean, it's easy to build like a shallow community, but it's more difficult to really build something where you feel like, Oh, yeah, this is someone that I'm going to be like, texting when I'm 80 or whatever we're going to be doing when we're 80 talking with our like brain chip but it's it's a whole other ball game and it does feel like there's this frayed fabric of you know just this kind of disarray you know you've got people who are like who who were shunted in to the wedding industrial complex and then were shunted out through the divorce industrial complex and they're yeah. sort of like their whole social world has come apart you know the friends usually can sometimes all go with one spouse or the other spouse and, and you've got people who are trying to meet people on apps and Which is, you know, it's fine. Like, I know of people who've met really great people on Tinder or whatever. But, like, also, that's sort of this incredibly shallow, facade-oriented way of of meeting people. And so we don't you know like g- genetically biologically we're wired to be born with a generation of people and be with those jet ge- generation of people throughout the life in our village you know and we there's we don't really have that container we anymore and so we're really having to like design not just new systems outside of ourselves, but like new emotional systems within ourselves of how do I motivate myself to go to this event or to go to this meetup or to call this
0: person again or, you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. And to develop these relationships, not out of fear. But out yeah. of like genuine connection, I mean, right. I guess that's something too. Like not to scare yourself into into right. having this group of people around you, and that kind of brings right. to mind too. Anyone, like, <laughs> you're you're right. That kind of like, be my biological... friend. Are you my friend? Are you? My yeah. Friend? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like taking that time to have these relationships. Um, mm-hmm. You said something about the Begin's and the high mind in the last episode, and mm-hmm. just how they felt at the end of the day. In that they weren't frazzled and they weren't stressed. And I feel like that's the opposite of everyone's lives now. Everyone's always like, oh, yeah. I'm so stressed. I'm so frazzled. I don't have nothing left at the end of the day. Right. And, to, and to have systems in place to handle everything else so that we do have that emotional reservoir so that we can form these new relationships or sustain these relationships and not feel uh, drained and feel like they're adding something and not like I have to go socialize with you know yeah I I love this person but I'm just like so exhausted
1: I don't even want to see them you know yeah it's like I can't I can't listen to one more person's story about Their life, or you know,
0: right.
1: What's really coming through for me right now is, especially with with the question of loneliness, is this is also where the intergenerational approach to housing is so beneficial because again, you have you have built in you have a built in social network, even if it's just someone to say hi to on your way to your room. You know, like you've got like a built in sense of another person there you, you know your your nervous system has another person to co-regulate with which is like an important it's why loneliness is so deeply disturbing for human beings because we are wired to be like co-regulating with others and so yeah like it's a it's a biological
0: fact yeah so let's yeah let's talk about how architecture and design and technology and all of these things can help Form these connections and form these support
1: systems. Well, this is really exciting because there's definitely a movement within, you know, even like I'm sure if you went to like a conference for like developers right now, there would be a session on the cool new fad of intergenerational like co housing, <laughs> right? This, so, this brand new thing that no one's ever done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, guys, we invented it. Um, <laughs> and so they. There's definitely like a movement, and if you start googling around, you're like, oh yeah, there's there's some kind of PR campaign behind like all of yeah. these articles, et cetera. So there's like there's definitely like a movement to be developing land and building these types of housing structures that include like places that are make sense for senior citizens to live next to places that make sense for single parents to live next to place. So it's there's this interwoven world of generations within the development but there's also people who are just exploring more in, in their own lives how to do this and and starting to consider more like wait why why is it that like so and so couple raises three kids and then in a house with whatever three bedrooms let's just say they're middle class people yeah and then all those three kids then leave that house and then they all have to buy an instant pot and they all have to buy a frying pan and they all have to buy a sofa and they all have to buy a television and you start to be like wait a minute this is like a crazy consumption of resources and it's based on this just this arbitrary idea yeah that you're not supposed to live with your family or that there's no way to do that with any kind of pride in yourself <laughs> um right yeah that and, you know it
0: used to be a dig like you still live with your parents right it's sort of uniquely american there are a lot of places but i oh i guess it's It's, it's still it is is very american but you leave your house to set up another household right usually through marriage and usually with another person but that is usually the goal that you move out and you set up your own household like you said so you can consume all of the things but right that's how it's how the consumer industrial complex perpetuates itself (laughs) yeah now when you when you say it like that it is sort of bizarro nutso that like this is this, it's, is the, it's, this is the expected and, and the trajectory.
1: Is, 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 we, you know, we we it's it's sort of unquestioned because it's it's indoctrinated into us that this is this is how humans live. This is your biological right. imperative. This is how a human lives. A wolf lives like this, and an elephant lives like this, and a human lives like this. And people are starting to sort of drill down on that and get down to the root and realize, oh, this is like just absolutely arbitrary. This is, this is not how, even in, I mean, to say nothing of like the past, you know, centuries of human existence, like it's not even how most people nowadays live, you know, um, worldwide. And that there are so many ways, again, with all of the caveats about, you know, sometimes it is really good to leave your family and all of that. Yes. But like, it, it's just important, I think, to examine one's, reason, one's reasons for all of their choices and including the one of like, of living intergenerationally or not. And, you know, am I? Am, do I really feel like I want to like go and like start a new household or do I want to find a way to like turn this into something that could actually work for me? And so there is a lot of consciousness being raised around that. And also there's more like experimental things that are coming online of there's a retirement home in the Netherlands or a a care home in the Netherlands that was, they were approached by a college student who was like tired of living in like messy, loud student housing. And he, he with this care home developed a program where they provide housing to a certain number of university students. And in return for just spending time with the elders and they do like 30 hours a week or something or, or a month of just watching sports with them or playing games or being involved with them. And so and that's one of many, that's a, one example of something that is happening on a much larger scale. So I think yeah. like we're sort of breaking the bonds of the like, of the nuclear family pretty boxes dream.
0: Yeah, slowly. Yeah. But yes, we definitely are breaking it. I-, I was researching something that's really pretty simple, and we could probably retrofit other buildings, just having common outdoor space. Yeah. Those spaces where you have more intergenerational living in separate apartments, like places where senior citizens would like to live, mm-hmm. older Americans would like to live, mm-hmm. and you have places where young families and students and everyone in between can mm-hmm. live and you have this common outdoor area mm-hmm. that's well maintained that has amenities to, to sit to actually sit down and to enjoy that space that's that's one way to sort of organically build these connections is having this space where you can encounter each other and right. and make friends with the people that you actually connect with instead of being forced into it in some more unnatural way
1: mhm like societal engineering type thing and that that's something that yeah. does you know like i i while i do welcome like the shift toward the intergenerational housing consciousness i do worry about the, the co-option of it by the like developer world i i like to see things happen from from a more or organic place of, you know, this, these people vibe and they've decided to turn their street into a community space and they, you know, and then they pull in another person who really gets the project and then it comes, another person comes in. That, that to me is the thing that's going to be really sustainable, but in the meantime, if we need to be building these like intergenerational communities where someone's you know someone's just going to go bippity boppity boo, we're going to get a whole bunch of people to live together from all different generations, it's going to be fine, <laughs> right. right? Right. Without that any. That like, a little less. Yeah, that seems a little less sustainable, but or a little yeah. more combustible. But but I'm glad to see the the shift to that consciousness um.
0: right yeah having that awareness and that thing yeah don't, I, I mean i do yes i do see your point if developers start to take this model and then th- and then this is what it looks like and there's only this one version of what this intergenerational or what living should look like it, sh- it has to be intergenerational you know and it right. has to look a certain way that they've designed these spaces that can really only be used in this one way and if your situation requires something a little bit different then it's harder to change that and make it into something that works for you there's like a line between like sort of prescriptively what everyone needs and what we do need more of and like that line of there are no individual needs and if your situation doesn't fit into this box then you're an outsider again yeah i think for just
1: in general in my life i like i well i (laughs) I grew up in a place where there was a lot of out of the box thinking and like, we're going to live new types of ways. And I know that there are like some communes that sort of worked, you know, but just uh, my truth, I'll just say this. My truth is that it's much more real and sustainable and nourishing and enjoyable when something kind of coalesces in a, in a, I keep saying the word organic in in a divinely organized way, as opposed to like, (laughs) you know, we're here, I've got the formula for people living together. This is going to be great. You know, here are the rules. All all we have to do is just all treat each other with respect and, and this and that, and we're going to make all decisions by consensus. Like I, that to me, just from the get just feels so unsustainable and impractical. Whereas I yeah. So that's my thing with like the, the bulldozers getting a hold of this concept and deciding right. to turn it into the new buzzword.
0: But then also if there isn't this big push. Right does that then does anything
1: ever happen without exactly and and you know then it's get the word gets into people's minds and then they decide oh okay so maybe it's not so bad if i like live next door to my parents or like if i just right. like build, build out the garage into a living space for myself or whatever like there's yeah it's it it, it, it changes the culture you know the goddess made the the developers too <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so right so propose these are proposed solutions exactly these are
1: Yes. But this is all just to say that this is like something that is growing in the world. This is definitely something that I have seen, you know, outside of just like looking at stuff specifically for this episode.
0: Right. And it's just anything to get out of that way of thinking of how you need to live your life prescriptively saying like, yes, you know, you home ownership is the best thing. It's the only way to build wealth. And yeah, you have to buy a single family home and you know, all of the things that go with the single family home and there's no other way. If we can get away from that idea of that being the gold standard and they're not being a gold standard and whatever way that you've decided to live, you know, as long as it's not harming anyone else actively, as long as you're not like, like you said, like bulldozing everyone else's homes or getting rid of buildings that are perfectly great to inhabit still, but we're just tearing them down because we need new buildings, like not in getting rid of affordable housing. Like these are all... Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I like the Dutch, that
1: little Dutch ex- anecdote that I mentioned, you know, because that's like, that's like, cr- that's using something that's already there. You yeah. Know? it's growing yeah. something that's already there as opposed to, like, I'm going to make, I'm going to turn this beautiful meadow into an intergenerational housing community. And, right. And it's just going to work.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've never tried it before, but it's just going, it has it's to work. It's going to work. <laughs> um yeah so i there are some solutions and technology i think we might be a little bit divided on technology i like technology so yeah we have technology solutions we have smart home assistants we have alexa Mm -hmm. and and all of those we have siri we have all these voice activated assistants that can Mm -hmm. do things for us they can make phone calls i think those are a great solution to if you've fallen and you can't get up and mm-hmm. or you need someone you can just program your home assistant t- to make phone calls for you so just mm-hmm. saying call whoever and you'll be able to get in touch with them and you don't need to physically have your phone on you mm-hmm. um as you know as much as sa- as privacy as you sacrifice having one of these home assistants there are these perks that that are available to you having this and, and no, it's you know, definitely,
1: can... it's definitely one of the, as I was, cause I mean I, I, from my background of my age, you know, I just think of the life alert button and um, um, yes, of course, you know, classic. And, and so I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I wonder if the, these devices could, can also be used. And of course they can. And I think for some of them, you have to, you know, you, you have to download an app and there's, Like you program that app with phone numbers, et cetera, but they're totally available for that kind of life alert service. Yes. Um,
0: Yeah. Your Apple watch, that's mm -hmm. even got like fall detection on it. So I know you were saying that. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that someone can be notified just even as like a, if you're, if you have it on you, if you're out taking a walk, it's got a setting that'll tell you about your gait. Like how often are both feet on the ground? There's like a percentage and it can tell you, you know, is your gait changing Um, Are you going to have problems or are you you edging towards a problem with, you know, either your mobility Uh or your balance or something like that? And then you end the fall detection so that someone can be notified if all of a sudden your Apple Watch is like, oh, you've just hit the ground unexpectedly. Yeah, Heart rate, it can monitor your heart rate as well. Huh.
1: I wonder if there are like statistics on, you know, how often that's used or, you know what I mean?
0: yeah. Yeah, I wonder that too. I mean, definitely, I've heard anecdotally people, yeah, um, like the the heart rate monitor notifying them that like they were in like pre cardiac arrest or something. Oh my gosh! They to. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard about the the fall detection feature, but it does just it does it just sounds like Life Alert updated. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I think it's actually difficult now to find some kind of device like that that's that can run without Wi Fi. Interesting.
0: Know? Yeah, Um,
1: there, you know, the the technology is closing behind that. So it does create I mean, I obviously have Wi Fi and stuff, but um. Right.
0: But you know, what if what there's a lot of what ifs, like, what Mm -hmm. if the power goes out? What if it's a natural disaster? And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's no power. So you don't have power to your Wi Fi router. What? Yeah, what happens then? What do you do then? It's almost
1: like there's, as one is building these kinds of structures of protection and support for themselves, it's like there's so many layers to it. It's not just, oh, I have my Apple Watch and I'm fine. You know, there's, right. there, you, you need all, you, it's like you have your support system and then each
0: layer of it is a fail safe for the one before it, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, I so mean, because, right, Apple- even, even having a network of people that checks in on you. I mean, yeah. having that, having that Apple Watch or the Alexa to- contact these people uh-huh they might be able to help you but what's you know the difference between laying on the floor for a couple of hours and then a couple of days that's huge right. that's really yeah. huge so to be able to get in touch with these people before they have to come check on you because you've been missing for so long and mm-hmm. at least tell them like this is what happened and i need mm-hmm. your help um but then also but you know like
1: if the Wi-Fi is out, then right. you know, then it's at least it's good that the you have the people who are checking on you, you know, occasionally or who yeah. notice if you miss your meeting or your commitment or your whatever. And yeah, good
0: point. There you know, is no all, all one of, solution. Yeah, there all is of no- the layers. Yeah, yeah, that is not something I thought about before. But yes, there's the find something and then find a backup for something. that yeah. make sure your backups have backups. Yeah, for, for right. your, your spinster catastrophe plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, best case scenario, you'll never need any of this stuff. You did bring up the point of people who aren't maybe as tech savvy are they don't want to be monitored because Alexa mm-hmm. is always listening. I had to mute her for this episode so that I could talk <laughs> about her because otherwise she starts she talking be to me if up. I say her name. Yeah, yeah she'd be saying like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that request. Right. i know it's so funny so right to have multiple options for people from all walks of life and to have it be accessible and to have it be accessible in multiple scenarios because wi-fi isn't always available Mm -hmm. um we don't actually have great broadband coverage in america we don't have great internet coverage i mean Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who just they just don't have it Mm -hmm. it's just not available where they live or it's too expensive There are just all kinds of ways that for all the technology that we have that people can't access it because they can't access the internet.
1: Something that's just popping into my brain too is we're we're talking about if you should become injured or incapacitated at home, but like injury and incapacitation doesn't always happen at home. That's very true. That is very true. You could be somewhere where you could be somewhere else and right. away from your community or away from your systems of support and maybe this is getting a little too broad for this conversation but it's important as you are designing your spinster catastrophe plan to consider the
0: reality that something could happen elsewhere. Um right. Yeah. What do you, what do you do then? That brings to my mind like the life alert bracelet and mm-hmm. those kind of things that let other people know what might be going on with you or considerations yeah. that they, they need to take with you like right. Yeah, like how, like, a, like you... a spinster alert bracelet like yeah,
1: <laughs> spinster alert bracelet where it's yeah. just is like this is you know my advanced directive can be found here like right. you know, here's yeah. how to access what I need for my my med- my medical
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, don't we all really need to know that? Here's here's the health network that I'm a part of. Don't yeah. take me to this hospital. Take me to this other hospital. Right. Um,
1: I do think about that a lot, actually, just in general for anyone. But it, it seems to be very pertinent, actually, at this moment in this conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Just to have all of this prepared, I guess, for yourself and somewhere that it's easily accessible mm-hmm. for someone if you can't tell people directly what yeah. what you need or or you know anything particular about your circumstance or who to notify or or any of those things to to have that yeah the spinster catastrophe plan
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the prim- spinster catastrophe plan
1: yeah my spinster catastrophe bracelet
0: yes with all of my, my
1: preferences
0: on it yeah so yeah, it's it is it's a real it's a real problem. There are solutions, and not just one solution is going to cut it. We need yeah multiple solutions, multiple ways of living. We need to normalize multiple ways of living. Yeah,
1: I mean every spinster is unique. There's no such thing as like oh this you know like the stereotype of the spinster is like a joke. There's yeah. a, every spinster is a fully complete prismatic you know unique expression of the divine and how she incorporates all of these concerns and all of these awarenesses around her future and how to plan for it is going to look completely unique to her. And so for me, it is a mix of like intergenerational living with more with cooperative living with potentially potting up with my girlfriends in our sixties with probably at some point I'm going to go full begging, just being (laughs) honest. Um, But so there's, so every, every spinster based on the unique circumstances of her life are going to like pull these concerns together and find the solution that's right for her. But like, I think it's just so important to continue talking about these things and yes. And normalizing them and normalizing alternative domestic arrangements
0: yeah i this also brings up in my mind just like the squeamishness that we have about talking about end-of-life care
1: totally it's just
0: it's just like something that you should totally falls under that taboo yeah but it's not quite as as catastrophic as end-of-life care or having a having a an advanced directive for you know a dnr do not resuscitate order Mm -hmm. it's it's but being able to talk about, like, here's here are the alternate forms. And I think even if you do have, if you are someone who has children, and those children live close to you in your old age, or if you're sick, you still do need, I think we've proven, you need other forms of support. You need something besides yeah. those people to to depend on. Your children will probably have jobs, or your caretakers, they're going to have a job outside of caring for you, very likely. Yeah. And, just to have someone available outside of that time but that was something else that i thought about is that we don't have great in-home health care in this country no. and
1: to well, our our in the, in, and the in-home health care that we have is so grossly underpaid <laughs> you know disgustingly it's it's it's, it's, it's like it's like child care yeah you know the it's like here's like the most important job you can be doing in society how about we pay you nothing right um,
0: there's it's that constant undervaluation of quote unquote women's work, of mm-hmm. caring, how caring yeah. is not valued yeah. and therefore not paid accordingly, even though it's the most important thing when you need that care, to have it available mm-hmm. and to have that person be compensated fairly to care for you. Um, and I, I would also say that there are circumstances, you know, where you don't necessarily need to be in a nursing home, but you do need some specialized care from someone who is trained in caring for your particular condition. And it it might not, they might not be able to just be your friend or your child or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And you do need to have these people to come in who can give you intravenous mm-hmm. do um, wound nutrition care. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all of these things to have these people compensated and not burned out by their jobs. And yeah. to have that to have that be an attractive job to get into. You were saying like how
1: valuable caregiving, you know, caring professions, caregiving for children or or giving medical care in the home. It's so valuable to the person who's receiving it, but yes. it's also so valuable to like literally monetarily valuable, quantifiably valuable to the society that the care is happening. in. it allows that person's adult child to go to their job and make money to support their kid. You know, if there's someone who, if they, if they don't have to suddenly turn into a full-time caregiver for their parent and learning all of these medical procedures and stuff. And yeah, and that is so valuable to society, both in like quantifiable and unquantifiable ways. Childcare allows for so much good to happen in the world, financial, economic good and otherwise. And it's, so it, it's it's certainly valuable to the individual who is receiving the care or benefiting from someone receiving the care, but it's also just genuinely like valuable to the economy and for that and it's not right. That burden
0: shouldn't such. be <laughs> right. And that burden shouldn't be placed all on the individual who needs those services either. Just thinking about France and their childcare policy. Yeah. It's very generous and yeah. We have nothing at all like it in the US. Yeah. It's,
1: it's and, not and, even and, and it's like the most comparable. and it's like the most expensive thing in the universe that a family can be paying for right (laughs) it's like it costs so much but the people who are doing it make so little there's it's the whole thing is so confusing
0: yeah yeah and just where the value is uh and that definitely ties back to the previous episode and how women's work is undervalued when you're talking about mothers and when you're talking about single women. It's just, it's invisible and how entire groups of people can essentially be erased from history. Invisibilized. Yeah. (laughs) Vanished. Draw the
1: curtain. You know, I think of this, there's this book called A World Lit Only by Fire and written by William Manchester and it's about the Middle Ages moving into the Renaissance in Europe, and not one single time does he mention, you know, any book about the Middle Ages is going to be talking about the church because that's like church was life, and he manages to write this entire book that is now, like, it's, it's a big book in the world, and never once mentioning this huge feminine movement (laughs) that happened in over hundreds of years in the exact time period that he's covering (laughs) you know it's i mean yeah funny
0: funny how he could manage to do that very funny yeah
1: just not not necessary to
0: talk about right because this was a a group the Beguines were a group of women who they weren't out for glory they didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. insist upon their story being told no they didn't have the money to control history, so therefore they just were written out of history. Yeah, gloss over. I'm just, I'm not going to stop talking about being single and about single women <laughs> and about their contributions and how this is a, a legitimate life path and a legitimate yeah. life choice. And and it's an option. I, it's always great to me when I get comments from people who are younger in their 20s and they're starting to think about this and they're starting to take it really seriously and they're like yeah no thanks for talking about this thanks for talking about aging thanks for talking about being child free thanks for talking about being single and how this is a choice and like i've always felt this way and it's just nice to know that there are other people out there who think like i do and who value the things that i do It, it feel i love when i hear
1: younger women I'm. I totally hear what you're saying because it's so fun to hear younger women be like, "Oh, I love that you called yourself a spinster." You know, yeah. I just learned about them. Did you know that they're actually it's that their name that name actually <laughs> comes from because they would spin wool to make money instead of getting married. You know, and I'm like, "Yes, you did the yes, research. I, you, yes,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've taken the first step." <laughs> keep now, going little one <laughs> yes now just
0: make your spinster catastrophe plan there's You're, so much more <laughs> joy to be had keep there, going yeah, there, there absolutely is so, uh, <laughs> thank you for talking about this with me this issue oh my this, gosh. Um, this issue that we're often confronted with and other people's panic and how mm-hmm. um it's maybe a little misplaced and uh there are solutions There are individualized solutions
1: to, Mm -hmm.
0: it's a real problem, but it doesn't have to be terrifying. Yeah, And in fact, it can be really enriching and it can add to your life and not take away from it. If you form a support pod and you develop these relationships with other people and you get more involved in your community and, and you build a support system and you build one that works for you. Yeah. And, you know, you're
1: serving yourself in beautiful ways, but like you're doing so much for the world in yeah. in inventing new ways of living and new ways of being and new ways of connecting. And it's really exciting to know that the influence of this work that's happening now is not just in this generation and it's not just in your life, it's forever
0: influencing yeah. the world. One day we will be written about. The, um the, the proto Yes. <laughs> the second coming the second yes.
1: the second wave of begin consciousness Is there anything else that you'd like to add I want to just say one more thing just in yes. general in terms of looking at alternative structures of housing distribution and family life there it it, it is there's a book called Leaving Mother Lake that will be very interesting to people who are interested in alternative housing alternative ways of structuring how we live and how we create family life. And it's a super the, the, it's it talks about the Mos, the Mosuo culture in China, or what is now China. And it's a culture that has existed for centuries and has found a really sustainable way of forming family groups and housing people in ways that are affirming and connected and where no one is left behind and where there's not a a loneliness epidemic. (laughs) So that's, it's just a, it's another, it's a really inspiring way of structuring society.
0: There's so many general. great
1: examples from history
0: that are just been buried and I'm yeah. glad that we but can But this is like them current them day. day. This is Oh, it is this current is,
1: day. It's oh. day. You know, oh, it's, it's a present day culture, cultural reality.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to learn more about that. I I will link to that book in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Yana. This is a, This is just an amazing discussion and I cannot wait to continue it with you.
1: It has been so fun. This has been
0: Just a joy. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. And we will see you next time on the Spencer Life Podcast. Bye.